0: PT. It's good for you and it's good for me. What is PT? Why do we do it? Why does the Air Force or the DoD stress PT so much? Why is it pounded into our heads so much? No one in their right mind wants to work an 8, 10, 12 hour day and then go to the gym and work out when you're tired when you'd much rather go home and re-watch the latest Game of Thrones season. And actually, let's be honest, I think I'd rather go home and watch paint dry than go run a mile and a half on the treadmill. What if I told you that there's more to PT than just the physical aspect of it, to make sure that we're physically fit, to be those effective warfighters that's expected out of us? What if I told you that you could PT and still have fun? Yes, the F word fun. And what if I told you that you could do that right here on this base during the week, on drill weekends, whenever you'd like. PT does not have to be a grueling additional chore that we all dread throughout the day. It can be fun and rewarding if done right. Because it's so much more than being physically fit, it can help promote a sound mind as well. Because when you PT often, not only do you look good, but you feel good, And it's just overall good. But we're gonna get to more of that later on in this episode because PT is not the main topic of this show, but it does relate to it and how to be physically fit and be ready to fight for anything that comes our way. This is the Maniac Radio Show, and I'm your host, Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair with the 101st Public Affairs Office here in Bangor. This is episode 31, And as I just mentioned, PT is not the topic for this episode, but this weekend's upcoming inspection is. So Lieutenant Colonel Franklin, who's the Wing Inspector General, is gonna be stopping by here in a second to talk to us about what we can expect from the exercise. Just keep in mind throughout this episode and also throughout drill weekend, that he wants to see you succeed. They're not looking for failures. They're not looking for mistakes. He is trying to set us up for success and in my book that makes him an asset so use him we're also going to talk about the hawk and i'm not talking about the bird or the avenger or is that hawk eye i can't remember his name but that just goes to show you that he's the most useless of the avengers but in any case the hawk h-a-w-c i believe that stands for health and wellness center but don't quote me on that so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about pt But first, Lieutenant Colonel Franklin has just stepped in, so let's get him on the microphone. Okay, so Lieutenant Colonel Franklin is the Inspector General for the Wing, or I guess it's the Wing Inspector General. For those of you who don't know who he is, He is the top dog in the IG office, uh, and he's here today, he's in the studio, and he's gonna talk to us about the upcoming inspection. But first, he's gonna give us a brief description on who he is and what he does. So Colonel, thank you for stopping
1: by. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Doug Franklin. I am the Inspector General for the 101st Air Refueling Wing. Um, A few years ago, the Air Force came up with the new construct of the IG office. So now now we do most of our inspections, or all of our inspections, at the wing level locally. It used to be big Air Force would come in with a large inspection team. Now they come in with a very small inspection team, and we are charged with doing our own inspections. We'd report to the wing commander, and that's who I work for. And we take a, a little different approach than what was taken before. Anyone that's been around for a while might remember the old EET black hats. Um, Now we try to work with the units, with the commanders, with the personnel of the wing to make our inspections more inclusive um, and kind of have a wing flavor to them.
0: So when when you say uh, Air Force-wide, is that, um, or when you said the Air Force had revised the IG program a few years back, was that, is that just us or is it, I feel like I remember you guys talking about something cool where we're the first, or maybe the only one that self-inspects. Or-
1: well, no, we uh, we are one of the uh, few units that actually have an internal 100% wing inspection team. We don't bring inspectors from outside. When we first started this process, and a number of wings still do that, they bring out bring in to their unit outside inspectors. Um, we have the ability now. We've trained our people appropriately according to the Air Force standards. We have the number of people in the right positions that can internally look at all of our processes. So we don't actually bring anyone in for our inspections. We can do that in-house. Not every unit can do that. And if I'm not mistaken too, I think
0: you have several members on your team in your office there that have gone to other wings, right, to be a part of inspections.
1: There's a number of WIP members throughout the wing that have gone to other units and routinely assist other units to include um, AMC, which is our gaining MAGCOM. So that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, that's awesome. It gives it gives them a, a great insight, and it gives us a great resource here at the wing level.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, just setting the standard, I guess, to say, to say the least. So what's what's coming up this, this drill weekend?
1: This drill mm-hmm. weekend, we have uh, a nori on tap. These occur once every five years. Um, one of the reasons for the nori is, uh, as most people can imagine, we have an assigned set of missions throughout the uh, air guard, but specific to our 101st air refueling wing. Um, this is an opportunity to, to test and to validate those mission sets um, with AMC. Why do, why do we need to do that? It ensures enterprise-wide, not only to ourselves, but to the rest of the Air Force, that we can do our mission sets that, we're, that are presented to us. Um, if we can do this mission set, Really, we can do any mission set. So this is the one that we're really tested on. Again, we're tested every five years. Um, A number of the members may have, it may seem like we've done a lot of these type of exercises um, in the last year. We're required to inspect one of these exercises every year. In the last year, we've done five. This will be our sixth one. So yes, we have been quite busy. Um, we've been busy in the IG office. We've been busy as a wing. We're going to be the first unit in the Air Force that has actually broken up this inspection into different phases. So that being said, we started this. This inspection actually started back in November of 2018. We continued it on to December of 2018 with the follow-up inspection, and now we're going to wrap this whole inspection up in April. Um, We'll get a grade on that. Um, We'll move forward from there. The difference in this one is, in doing it this way, we're taking little bites of the apple instead of one giant bite. We've been doing it in little phases. For a number of people in the wing it's going to seem like they've been really busy. For probably the vast majority of the wing, they're gonna be wondering what they're doing because they've already been tested on that portion. So this drill weekend, it's important for them to, to stay in, in the game, to stay engaged when they're asked to do something, do it expeditiously as quickly as possible. Um, and we're almost at the finish line. This is really the culmination of what we've been working towards for the last several years, and especially since November when we started this inspection cycle.
0: Should our, should our members be worried? Like if, if they have an inspection uh, team member or a WIT member or anybody at the like come up to them, should, they be, uh, should that be intimidating toward them or should they just continue normal operations?
1: You should continue normal operations and you're probably gonna, everyone's gonna say that. And if you're being inspected, that's easier for me to say being on this side, than being the person that's being inspected, but it really comes down to just do your job. All you have to do is do what you know. Every air—I'm confident every airman on this base knows what they need to do for their their job. Everyone on this base fits into a giant a giant puzzle. Um, think if you if you look at our mission set as a giant puzzle, each person contributes in their own way with their AFSC which helps us put that giant puzzle together. Um, so it, while it's easy to say, no, you don't have to be nervous, you don't have to be nervous. That is a true statement. You just, If you just focus on doing what you should be doing, your normal day-to-day job, and do it correctly, it'll reduce your stress um, and you'll come out a winner. The wing will come out a winner.
0: And that's good to know. I I know me personally, I've been in situations where people that I know on a personal basis who are part of the WIT have have come up and asked me a question and instantly you freeze up and you start thinking, oh man, what if I get this wrong,
1: this question wrong or whatever. Don't worry about it. Um, There will be a number of people here from uh, various Air Force agencies. Um, Some will be fairly high ranking, very high ranking. Don't... Don't be worried about that. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. And really they just wanna hear what you have to say. They want to, they want to see that you can do the job that you've been trained to do. And if we just go through that and approach this that way, it'll work out.
0: And that's, that's all really good information, Colonel. So I got, I got a big question um, and I know everybody's thinking the same thing. So I'll be, the, I'll be the one that takes the hit if it's an inappropriate question. But why 12 hours?
1: It's not 12 hours, it's 24 hours. (laughs) 24 hours. (laughs) Okay, that comes down um, through what's called CONOPS version 3, and that comes to us from higher headquarters. It is required because in a a realistic scenario, we're gonna have to do 24-hour operations. So we need to show that we can do 24-hour operations. Who wants to be on nights? Probably not the majority of people. Unfortunately, we have to be able to show that we can do that. Um, Like you, Andy, I've been out there when I was enlisted when we were in security forces, walking the line, going, why in the heck am I out here? But you need to understand that it really is part of a bigger picture. Um, Even if you think in the middle of the night, no one is watching, someone is. Um, This is part of our test phase. But also remember, we only have to do this once every five years going forward, are you going to see us cram everything like we have into the last six months? No. There is a plan going forward to do this and stretch it out over five years and we're allowed to do that. The problem is the way that, our, where our nor I was scheduled five years ago, the changes that came into the con ops that allowed us to do this um, pushed us on this path. So we really have had to kind of almost jam things in at the last minute, but by doing that we're not doing everything in a three-day period. So we've kind of stretched the three-day period, four-day period over six months. Now we're going to expand it even more over five years. So every time that we do this, we're not going to have a 24-hour operations where people will be assigned to a 12-hour block, we'll be doing this a little differently. Um, smaller bites of the apple like I, I talked about and the culmination will, become, will come at the end of our five year cycle where we, we do this all over again but again it won't be everything jammed into the last six months kind of like we've had to to be the first unit to do this and to make it more manageable um, Wing Command has, has, has chosen that, that path and I think that was a good path um, it, was, it was discussed a lot Um, It was talked about. Um, The issues that may arise with that, overall, it was decided and again, I think it was correct that smaller bites of the apple, rather than jamming everything into three, four days, stressing everyone out, um, we chose to break this up, more manageable sections and do it over six months. Moving forward, we'll do this again, but over five years. 24-hour ops will come at the end in five more years. So really, once and once and done.
0: Which, which is a good feeling.
1: I know we had to do 24-hour ops uh, two
0: months ago, but... Uh, it almost kind of reminds me of like basic training in a way. So you get sent down to BMT, um, you're being put through, not, I shouldn't say the worst case scenario, but you're being stretched to your limits to see what you're capable of, to make sure you can still operate in your non-comfortable situations, I guess comfort zone, I guess what I'm trying to say. And
1: that's exactly what this is. We need to prove to higher headquarters that the mission sets that we've been assigned, that we can do that. If we can do this mission set and we can prove that to them, they'll have confidence that we can do any mission set that's assigned to us for their peace of mind, For their to maintain their standards. They want to look at this every five years. And that's what we're coming up on. And that's where we're at right now.
0: that yeah again that all that all makes a lot more sense now that you've explained it that way
1: there's been a myriad of questions that have come out um the ig office has been busy working to uh with many different commanders commands um higher headquarters to get the organization of this inspection going um now really what we have left to do is just do the inspection and the portion of the what the WIT, WIT team will do, they will go out into their various areas of expertise. They will observe the people working in those areas, what they do, and ensure that they, they can do it appropriately. The IG will manage the WIT team and oversee them. We'll have AMC overseeing us and how we manage that WIT team and how we, how we manage that process.
0: So how does the process work when post post-inspection, whether it's an outside agency coming in or it's worked down organically like we talked about earlier, I would assume that you guys, you as the IG office, would brief like an AAR, after actions report, to
1: the commanders? Is that how that works? It used to be a what they called a hot wash years ago. Um, AMC, well, Big Air Force, has done away with that construct. Now that will be a set down uh, between the team chiefs, the IG, um, and wing command. It's very low-key. It's just a discussion about what what took place. We'll have a draft report at that point, and within 30 days, we'll have a final report.
0: When you do that, if it's done organically, like if it's an internal inspection team doing that, and you're briefing the wing command, do you guys ever pull any punches?
1: No. No? <laughs> I, I, I may be a little too uh, not politically correct sometimes. But you have to be, though, right? Exactly. Um, wing Command wants to know, honestly, how did we perform? If I if I hold anything back or any of the members hold anything back, we can't do better as a wing because we're not looking at those things. The only way that we can do better is if we can self-identify our weaknesses and then we can improve upon those. If there's an area that... Maybe there's an area that that we don't even know that we're not getting training in. Maybe we think we're good in this area, but we, looking back over it, maybe we haven't had the training in that area that we should have as things have matured, as things have changed over time. It's incumbent for us to always change with the new technology that's coming out. And if we miss something, this is the time to pick that up.
0: That's all very good information to know uh, upcoming for this drill and the exercise that's coming. We did briefly mention, you talked about the NORI. Um, What is a NORI?
1: Nuclear Operational Readiness Inspection. And that kind of gives us an opportunity to test our unit as a whole. Again, like I said, we've tested portions of the unit. I think everyone will remember back in November. We did it again in December. Each of those was a different mission set off of what we're going to test in April.
0: Okay. What can our members do uh, to prepare other than doing what their normal their normal job is and what they're already fantastic at? What can they do? Maybe like food, lunches, how to prepare for those, those
1: 24-hour ops? Um, speak, to, speak to individual command. Um, a lot of the command and control is left up to group commanders and delegated to squadron commanders. Um, Again, some people are going to play a bigger portion next month versus the people that played a big portion back in November and December. Um, so some those people that played a, a large role in November and December might feel a little bored. So you may see some people being released early. Um, you may see some people not as busy if you're if your commander chooses to keep you here um, for that entire time, utilize that time expeditiously. One of the things that we always struggle with, especially as a drill status guards personnel, is how do we get our training accomplished? There's just not enough time in a drill weekend to get everything accomplished that you want to. Well, now you get an extra eight hours. Use it wisely. Use it exactly. CBTs. I don't think anyone's ever going to say they're fun, but it's an opportunity to get some of them done. Um, some of the other training that, that, that's mandated and necessary, it's a good time to get some of that stuff out of the way. Um, and understand that you may be called into, um, even if you think, geez, I really don't have any role, you may suddenly be thrust into that role for one reason or another, not realizing it. So be prepared. The battlefield promotion. Exactly. That is a common misconception. I know I've thought it
0: that everything that we did for inspections were, was dictated, I use that word, but it's kind of a harsh word, it was uh, mandated by you guys, by the IG office. And I don't think a lot of people know that, that you guys leave a lot of it up to individual commanders.
1: We do, we leave as much up to the uh, commanders as possible. We have a, a guidebook from higher headquarters. Um, along with AFIs and Conops version uh, 3 that we're on right now related to the Nori, those are rule sets that we have to go by. Um, that, al- that shows us our left and right parameters um, and what we can do in between those things that are that are command centric, we leave that up to the commanders.
0: You know that's their right. If they want to release some people earlier, if they want to battlefield promote someone, um, then that, that's, that's their right to do so.
1: It will be a four-day drill, like everyone should know by now, and we'll be quite busy as a wing. That doesn't mean everyone is going to be real busy. But those people that are busy, it's crucial that they take this seriously. They work expeditiously. When they have to move from point A to point B, move quickly. Move safely, but move quickly. We still have quite a bit of snow on the ground. We're probably still going to have some icing conditions. I hope that it warms up a little bit by April. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully it it won't be as cold in April as it was in uh, February.
0: What else can you tell us? Is there anything else you wanted to add about this coming
1: inspection? Just understand that this inspection really comes around once every five years. Um, I understand people are getting tired of the large-scale exercises that we've had for the last year. Um, This has been a culmination, and this is kind of the, the, the end state. Um, this is game day. Think of it that way. This is our opportunity to prove to Big Air Force that we can accomplish our mission, that we can keep the wolf at bay. This is th- this is our opportunity to shine. Again, we are the first unit in the Air Force to do it this way. So we are setting the standard for the rest of the Air Force to follow. All right, Colonel,
0: so we've talked about this individual before, but what can you tell me about General Curtis LeMay?
1: the uh, father of uh, Strategic Air Command. One of the interesting things that he used to do was he was famous for no-notice inspections. He would fly into a base, walk up to the wing commander's office, hand him a piece of paper and say, I want you to launch all your airplanes to this point, have them go to this base, land, refuel, turn around, and fly back. And that was their mission for the day. And... General LeMay would then find out, was that wing commander fudging his in-commission rates, his FMC rates? Um, Was he being honest about what he had? And were his people trained to immediately respond to whatever given situation there was? Um, Over time, that has morphed to what we have today in the Inspector General's office. Um, We're a little more uh, controlled, maybe isn't quite the right word, but a little more focused. Um, We do it in a little more concentrated manner, focused manner um, with all parties involved. So we talk to, I talk to commanders, I talk to uh, shops continually. Our personnel know where some of our weaknesses are and probably they know where our greatest weaknesses are. And for us to change and us to get better, those suggestions and those ways to move forward are really going to come from the people, the rank and file people that do the job every day. So we're out there talking to these people. Just because an IG member shows up in your office doesn't mean, oh my word, you're being inspected on something. Chances are, 9 out of 10 times, we're just there looking to learn, to find out some more information, to see, is there a process that maybe we should take a look at and. We're not per se going to take a look at it ourselves. We're going to bring in the SMEs. We're going to bring in people that know more about that process. We may even utilize the person that's telling us about some of the deficiencies in their area or how to make it better to bring those ideas up to command. And that's how we make the wing better. For lack of a better term, you guys aren't pulling a Curtis LeMay. As cool as that story is and as we're not,
0: it's a pretty cool story to tell. I think I speak for everybody when I say we appreciate that you guys don't do that here. (laughs)
1: We're, we're not we're, we're not the old EET black hat people that were work, walking around years ago. Um, we worked to kind of uh, step away. That was necessary at a certain point in time. Um, we've moved on beyond that time now. Uh, again, now we do our inspections in-house within the unit. The IG is here. This is the IG office. It used to be, oh, my word, when the IG shows up, meaning from higher headquarters, we have to really... Be careful. Well, that IG at higher headquarters, while they're still there, the IG office that does the day-to-day taskings, does the day-to-day evaluations, again, does the big evaluations, the overarching evaluations, is here at the wing level now. And that is, it's just an evolutionary change. Stand by, it'll change again. As soon as we all get used to it, it will change again. It will. But that keeps us on our toes though, right? Yep, it'll evolve with the times. As our mission set changes, as the way that we um, wage war, different things come into play. And it's just an evolutionary process, and it's incumbent upon the military to always be in that state of readiness and ability to change and adapt. I always say Semper Gumby, always flexible because really that's what we need to need to do nowadays.
0: To, to kind of sum up, I guess, in a way over this interview, is it safe to say that you guys, the IG office is here for us? You're not here to uh, watch us fail. You want to see us succeed, and that's the whole purpose, right?
1: Exactly. There's there's no one in the IG office that wants to see this wing fail. As a matter of fact, what we want to do is set the wing up to improve. That's That's the key goal. That's the only way we're going to get better.
0: It's, it's not just a home station thing. When you go other places, think about how many RCP deployments we've had this past year, all the knowledge you gain based on the self inspections that we have, you can bring that to other units and share that knowledge, which is, which is awesome. When you think
1: you Absolutely, and, and that's really the way that it should work. As we gain knowledge, we bring knowledge back from the field, new, different ways, better ways to do things, or here at home station, we come up with new and better ways to do things. Again, everything is an evolutionary process. Everything is going to, change is the constant in life. If we can be on the forefront of that change and get out ahead of it, we'll be more successful as a unit, as, a, as an individual. Is there anything else you want to add, sir? As we move into this inspection, um, and this is the finalization of this type of inspection cycle, stay engaged work quickly and if asked to do something do it expeditiously and stay motivated
0: sir i appreciate you coming in and explaining what's going on this weekend and uh and giving me a better peace of mind and hopefully other people as well we'll do it again sometime soon if not in five years yes all right sir thanks So thanks again to Lieutenant Colonel Franklin for stopping by and doing the interview. Always a pleasure. We know you're busy with the planning of the upcoming exercise and all that good stuff. So again, thank you very much for stopping by. Hey, listen, if you want more of Lieutenant Colonel Franklin, make sure you check out our Facebook page where we have this week's Why I Serve snippet featuring Lieutenant Colonel Franklin. Put a name to the face or face to the name. So that way, when you see him out and about on our installation this weekend, you can stop him and say hello make sure you tell him he has the best looking hair in all of the IG office. Oh! He'll love that. And while you're at it, tell him I told you to say that. If you can get him to smile, he'll buy you lunch. All right, enough of all that. So like I said earlier, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Hawk, the Health and Wellness Center, located down at 417, I think it's 417. It's a one-stop shop. And in fact, Senior Mass Sergeant John Duplain, who is the superintendent for the PA office, is gonna talk to you about that. I have a recording that he did where he interviews Drew Matlins, everyone's favorite clown. Well, almost everyone. I'm just kidding, he's everybody's favorite clown. But listen to what he has to say because it's important information. First, before we do that though, I also mentioned that we have some information about PT and the various avenues that our members can utilize to get their daily PT in. Senior Master Sergeant De Public Affairs Superintendent, went down to the gym and did some recording of his own for this podcast. And for those of you who don't know, Senior Master Sergeant Duplaine is well vested in all areas that are PT. In fact, if you ask him, he'll tell you that he has the body of a 20-year-old. He weight trains, he runs, he plays racquetball, and loves winning against people from 5'18". I'm not sure why, but ask him about it sometime. And, for those of you who don't know, Sergeant Duplain started his career off as Army Infantry. I bet you didn't know that one. So, he knows a thing or two about PT and why it's important that we, as effective warfighters, stay in shape. So, with that being said, here he is. Hello everyone, it's Senior
2: Master Sergeant John Duplain. I'm uh, coming to you from the PA shop, and I think I'm on my 20th take here. Uh, between the phone ringing, my fumbling and bumbling, or Sergeant Zephyr walking in. It's, uh, it's been a uh, trying process. Needless to say, it's, uh, it's always good to, to get out and uh, practice your craft. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about um, exercise. Uh, some of the great benefits of exercise is it controls weight. Um, you can uh, exercise, helps combat health conditions and diseases, it can improve your mood. It can boost energy, and it can make you sleep better. And and a lot of times for people, it can be fun. Uh, Socially, you can be playing a game. You can uh, go walk or run with a partner, and uh, that that can make um, a monotonous thing uh, definitely go a lot better. The other day, I was down to gym, and a lot of people do many different exercises, or they have their own routines that work for them. I know that uh, I saw Chief Kofer. He was kicking it hard on the treadmill. So he's a runner. Sergeant Delisle, I mean, he likes to go down and do some light curls and some light benching, and supposedly that works for him, and that's debatable. I know we've had some, uh, some other events where people have been playing soccer. I know that Sergeant Bard recently had a basketball tournament, which was really well-received, and people had a lot of fun. A little competition, a little bit of exercise, uh, goes a long way. And uh, so when I was down the other day, I happened to notice some people that were hooting and hollering in the gym. And uh, I I could hear it, but I wasn't really sure what was going on. So I went in and uh, and had a conversation with someone. So let's kind of find out what, uh, what was going on in there. So I come in to find these guys hitting the ball around with a wiffle ball and some sort of looking paddles. And I got Brian Warren with me, tech sergeant. Tell me uh, what you guys are playing. How'd you get started?
3: Well, John, it's actually not a wiffle ball, it's a pickle ball. uh, We started playing it because our boss was playing with a bunch of folks in Hamden. And he introduced it to us, so we ended up getting a net and that's how we get our exercise in a couple days a week. Come down here and it's a little bit like ping pong, a little bit like tennis. It's a way to come down and have some fun. How many people are playing on base? Uh, We actually we don't have that many Uh, we have everybody from our shop plays and We try to get other people involved. It's kind of hard to find time but We're trying to get people to pick it up.
2: What about the exercise aspect because uh, at first glance? It seems like it may be something that you don't really get uh, too much of a cardio workout
3: Oh, you definitely get a cardio workout when you get into it and you're moving all around the court and it has its finesse moments where you're where you're kind of standing still a little bit, but you're, you're running back and forth, especially you get a two or three games in a row and you get a good sweat on.
2: Well, that's good. What would you tell new players that are wanting to kind of try it?
3: Come on down. Get a hold of me, uh, Sergeant Warren at the Fuel Cell. If anybody wants to come try it out, we got some extra paddles, and it's a lot of fun. Come down and try it out. All right.
2: Well, thanks, Brian. Thanks for telling me all about it. Thanks, John.
0: Hickleball. I wonder why they didn't call it cucumber ball. I guess it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. In any case, very good information. So make sure you check that stuff out. Okay, like I said, Senior Master Sergeant Duplain went down and talked to Drew Matlins, so, so here is his interview. Hey everyone, John Duplain from Public Affairs.
2: I'm sitting with Andrew Matlins from Family Services. And uh, recently you may have seen a video where we said we couldn't find Drew. Uh, that was a joke, of course. Um, we, we certainly uh, know where he's at and we have him here with us today so drew tell us uh that you've actually moved out of building 505
4: right so my office has been moved down to building 417 first floor that's the horizon Inn. the wing has decided to create what's called a hawk a health and wellness center so along with me we've got yellow ribbon the Sexual Assault Response Program and Director of Psychological Health all co-located in this spot.
2: Is this a uh, like a guard-wide thing, or is this something that you guys are doing specifically?
4: It's an active duty program that the more and more guard units are embracing.
2: And what is the uh, gist behind it? What's the whole thought process to make this?
4: The idea is we tend to overlap with each other. Someone may come in to see our director of psychological health dealing with you know stress or anxiety and through the course of talking it comes out it's money problems and I'm able to help with money problems so rather than having to send them off to a whole other building and hopefully I'm there we can do warm handoffs much more easily to each other and support our airmen much better
2: cool now uh, where specifically are you located
4: So, as I said, we're in building 417, first floor. Uh, If you're looking at the building, come in the right-hand entrance. Uh, We're working on getting a sign to put out there to make it a little easier, but keep in mind, right-hand entrance the one closest to the fence line.
2: Okay, perfect. And what building is that? Could it help me identify it?
4: Building 417, the Horizon Inn. So, right next to the dining hall.
2: Okay, perfect. I'm with you. Anything else you'd like to add for people that uh, that are looking to come down? I know you said you were worried that uh, sometimes when I go to pay or I got to get a passport photo, I may uh, just swing into the office and catch up with you. Um, and you're worried about foot traffic, what do you have to say about that?
4: We'd love to have people stop in, whether it's whether you're looking for services or help, or just to say hi, I thought I'd come in and see what the office looks like. Uh, for those who used to stop in, specifically those you're looking for candy. The candy bowl's still out, but now there's one in all four offices, so you have that much more to choose from.
0: Frank Crowe. Does that name sound familiar? It probably doesn't, unless you're a main history buff. How about Charlie Carter? No? Well, to find the answers we need to jet back to 1977 the 30th anniversary of the maine air national guard i know in today's day and age it's hard to wrap our minds around having an open house here on our installation with opsec being a key concern and the fact that in 1977 we lived in different times that's just the way the cookie crumbles so to speak but on that 30th anniversary we did just that A big open house for all to come and see what we did here at the 101st Air Refueling Wing. Side note, it was just one year prior when the unit transitioned into the renowned refueling unit we know today. So we as maniacs were still pretty young in the refueling arena. The open house consisted of what you'd typically see. Food, drinks, families, a band, static displays from all over not just the main air guard. And last but not least, a memorable performance by America's Ambassadors in Blue, the United States Air Force Thunderbirds. Wedge rolls, changeover clover leaves, and five-card loops for all to see. Thousands of people stood and stared as several Northrop T-38 Talons screamed across the Bangor skyline. It was a major success on a pivotal milestone for the Maine Air National Guard. After the show, the Thunderbirds flew to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and Dayton, Ohio for two more shows. After Ohio, they would fly west to Wyoming. Captain Charlie Carter was the voice of the Thunderbirds. He narrated each show as a seasoned pilot. He'd had his wings since 1968 and he flew 352 combat missions in Southeast Asia. He was labeled as one of the outstanding young men of America. By the United States Junior Chamber of Commerce. He was passionate about his job as a Thunderbird pilot, and both he and his wife were huge supporters of the Air Force and the job he'd been given. He'd even gone on record stating, quote, I believe in the Air Force mission, and my job as narrator is one of the most effective ways to promote that mission. As I describe the maneuvers we perform, there can be no doubt that our country's armed forces are ready and capable. Captain Carter passionately narrated the air show here at the 101st Air Fueling Wing, setting the tone and atmosphere for all to witness as the birds flew high in the sky. It was a rainy morning, July 25th, 1977, in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Just one week after Captain Carter and the Thunderbirds had crowds roaring with excitement in Bangor, Maine. One of Captain Carter's many responsibilities as narrator was to fly in a few hours before the rest of the team to ensure things were going according to plan at each location. As Captain Carter's T-38 approached the runway, he scratched a landing and attempted to gain altitude. By then, it was too late to save the aircraft and he attempted to eject. That too was too late. That day, the Thunderbirds suffered their first fatality in five years. Captain Carter was known as one of the greatest narrators the Thunderbirds has ever seen and just as he told their story, in turn, his fellow airmen would go on to tell his for years to come. Later that fall, the Thunderbirds would fly over the Hoover Dam. As they did, they rendered a salute while in formation. When asked about it later, the team said they were saluting Frank Crow. So again, who is Frank Crow? He was the chief engineer in charge of building the Hoover Dam. But why did the Thunderbirds salute him? Because their time in Maine left an outstanding impact both professionally and emotionally, I would imagine, as Bangor was one of the last shows their wingman, Captain Carter, would be a part of. In fact, Lieutenant Colonel Ed Cherry, the Thunderbirds' commander, personally sent Brigadier General Jay Benton, the 101st Air Refueling Wing Commander, a thank you letter. To summarize, the letter explains how amazed and grateful the team was to work with the 101st, and specifically mentions the outstanding customer service they received while here in Maine, and that the 101st's professionalism is unmatched Does that sound familiar? So why did the Thunderbirds salute Frank Crow as they flew over the Hoover Dam? Because if we look back far enough, we'll find that Frank Hurry Up Crow, chief engineer for the Hoover Dam, was once a Maine resident. And in 1905, he graduated with a degree in engineering from the University of Maine. And So that is all she wrote. I think we can go on record and say that this is the longest podcast episode that the Maniac Radio Show has ever seen. Colonel Johns would be proud. So with that being said, let's wrap this up. Don't forget to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and DVIDS websites. You can check out all of our media, videos, photos, podcasts, all that good stuff on those platforms. Speaking of videos, if you haven't seen the video that the PA office just put out highlighting the amazing women that we have here at the 101st Air Refueling Wing, please head over to Facebook or Instagram and check that out. Hey, hey, every day. Hey, hey, every day. Hey, it gives the definition of superheroes a whole new meaning. So go check those out. I've mentioned it before, I'll mention it again. We have a new app. We're still in the beta phases of the app, but once it's up and running and everything is good to go, there's going to be a lot of good features, so we'll make sure we keep you in tune with what those features are in the coming future. And lastly, the exercise. Make the most of it. Let's get through it, and let's get through it together in true Maniac fashion. But that's it. That's all I have. Thanks for listening. One last plug-in. If you have any ideas for the Maniac Radio Show or if you want to come on and talk, please let myself or Senior Master Sergeant Deplane know and we'd love to get you on. It's a great tool to get information out and a great way to keep our airmen and their families informed with what's going on. So thanks again, have a great weekend, and as always, thanks for listening.